So today we are not continuing with understanding the brain. And the reason for it is that um, I'm hoping that all of you are aware that you don't yet understand what has been taught so far. So we're going to give everybody a bit of time. Please keep working through those things. Get used to the reference points because there's now reference points. Uh, some of you have given feedback that you are starting to refer back to what is the brain doing and so forth. So I have an awareness of three cartoon characters living inside me, um, speaking to each other. The three um, egos. <laughs> Very good. So I think we're going to get Stefani to do us a cartoon skit on the three amigos. Um, so every now and then, Super Ego wants to tell Idy what to do, and he says, you never talk to me directly, ever. And uh, so it's this thing. So you guys are getting used to the reference points, right? <coughs> Okay, it's just responding correctly to all of this. You do understand it's not the only thing that's happening in there. That's just the... <laughs> those are the directing teams. <laughs> so just to make sure. <laughs> okay, so obviously there's other parts of the brain that has to go and do what the three of them decided. So that's just top management we're looking at. Okay. <laughs> so the board of directors. There's a whole factory full of workers that are, will remain unnamed for now. Okay, so we're not going to look at that because we are in a process of getting used to the ideas, testing it against our own experience in scripture. And there's another very good uh, reason why we're not doing it is because today we are going to uh, do the prophecy that is around this date. We are going to look at, in response to another prophetic words that were sent, word that was sent on to me. I think I've given it much uh, consideration and I think it's uh, responsible, would be responsible for me to just make you guys aware of this one. And then the main thing that we want to do today is we want to make sure that we remind ourselves of who is the one living in us. And so we're just going to focus on reading some scriptures. So there's very little preaching or teaching today. Um, We'll let the word do the talking. Okay, so we're going to start with the newest one. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this is the last one in Haggai. Okay, so sorry, Haggai chapter 2 from verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, 
the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priests answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priests answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. And now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days, when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now, from this day forward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. And again the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the twenty-fourth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth, I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms, I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms, I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Some context and some things to remember. Firstly, we're not saying that this is a personal or specific prophetic word for us. We do understand and acknowledge that this was a prophetic word in the time of the Israelites, um, in their captivity, and we understand that it was the onset of the return of the Israelites, the Jews, to the Holy Land of Canaan that the Lord had given them as Israel. We understand that uh, this is, and we acknowledge every time this is true, so we look at it from that context, but we read these prophetic words so that we may understand His uh, seasons and cycles um, as it unfolds in a significant way throughout the year. His people are currently even under the fulfilled fulfilling of the covenant promises. His people are in a dispersion um, while we are still on the earth we are very much the picture of his people in a foreign land and we are also in a process this is why we are looking at these prophecies as a guiding light for us 
because we are in the process of rebuilding the house of the Lord just as in those days the Lord was returning them to their land and the house of the Lord was being restored and rebuilt could understand that this specific word part of the word is in context to the fact that the Lord is letting them know that he has judged them because of their apostasy he allowed them to be carried away to a foreign land and to serve foreign nations in a land where other gods were worshipped they had to go and live and try and survive so he's referring to the fact that they had lack, they did not prosper, there was always just enough, not too much. So it's referring to the situation that there was. They came to a place where there should have been abundance, but there was little. And the beautiful part of this, part of the prophetic word is that he's communicating to them, that's the way it was. You transgressed, you became a hayward and stiff-necked, idol-worshipping people. You left my ways. There was a time of judgment and uh, some, a whole generation or two had to pay the price. But he's letting them know and saying, I'm returning you to the land. I'm going to bless you again. I'm going to restore to you again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to now allow you to sow your uh, crops uh, in the land that I've given you. The land will again yield its bounty to you. Those kind of things is connected to this prophetic word. Now, this is the second year of Darius, so it's very much in the beginning of the restoration time. And um, so we've got to understand that in this time, the God of heaven comes and he directs the, the thoughts and the hearts of idol-worshipping rulers, mighty rulers in their time upon the earth, that took the Jews among other nations as people in captivity, as slaves. And all of a sudden, God comes into the situation and He turns these rulers' hearts around. For a short period in history, these uh, Gentile kings acknowledge Yahweh as God and Almighty. And they obey Him. They obey Him. Uh, God comes and He brings restoration and revival to the hearts of the Jewish people and inspire them from the inside. He inspires a people to work together to again remember and to honor Yahweh. So this for us is the most important thing. That we are living in difficult times, but the, the Lord is inspiring us to remember Him, to seek Him. And we have to believe, and then um, we want to now remember that in these times, we have to believe as they believe that against all odds they find the resources and the blessing coming out of uh, a peoples in captivity they shouldn't have the resources to rebuild anything they can rebuild the city rebuild the temple become a nation again and prosper again and this is god's doing god's own doing yahweh's own doing
And so we have to remember that we are people that's called to do a very big task with very little. But we have to believe that in this uh, walk of obedience to the Lord's directives, He will provide what we need. He will also bless us. Because we are returning to Him and His ways and we are here to rebuild His house. I just want to make sure that we are still here to rebuild His house. Then we'll be blessed to rebuild the house. And so I want us to focus on that one thing. He says, from this day on I'll bless you. And this is a people that didn't get in trouble because it just happened. God handed them over to their enemies. Yahweh judged them for a time. And um, the goodness of Yahweh is that He doesn't reject them and leave them there. <clears throat> over and over, the Hebrew people transgressed the covenant. Over and over, they turn away from Yahweh, who, who has shown them His goodness, His power and His might. Who has shown them the truth of what He has told them and said and promised. And over and over, they turn away from Him, going to apostasy, idolatry. But this is Yahweh. Does not pardon the guilty, but he comes back. He, he has to lead them to repentance. When they turn back to him, it's because he calls them back to him. <coughs> when they turn back to him, it's because he turns their hearts back to him. This is his goodness. <coughs> he doesn't have to bear with us. And for some reason he does. We know it's about election. But we also know that he, within election he can reject three, four generations at a time. He can send his own people into captivity for 40 years. Or for 400 years. If he wants but he's also the one that in his time and according to his will he will come and show his goodness and we believe that we are fortunate enough to live in a time where he's starting to show his goodness in preparation for the end times nowhere for us to know the magnitude of what he's going to do there's a lot of prophecies about an end time revival I still have hope that we will not remain just a vestige and a glimmer upon the earth. We understand that in times he had to preserve his truth in small groups of people. And we know that many prophets died without seeing the prophecies fulfilled in their lifetimes. But we have a hope that in our lifetime there will still be a harvest. And we live according to that hope. 
So we are accepting this word that he has turned from his anger and his wrath, or he is turning from his anger and his wrath. You know, during this pandemic, people tend to ask, but why is a good God not mm. bringing an end to the suffering? <coughs> Rightfully, the righteous Yahweh should have been destroying this world day by day, without exception. There's no reason on earth for Him to relent from doing us harm. The fact that we are still living in goodness and in mercy is, is just evidence of His goodness and His mercy. If anything on this planet goes well, it's because of mercy. But we need to remember that. Humanity has m managed to transgress in every possible way that you can imagine. And then they will imagine new ways in which to transgress against the Lord. We've been destroying His forests and His oceans and His rivers and exterminating his creatures because of our selfishness. Far worse, there has been violence upon the earth and violence the one thing that he declared to be the judgment, the cause of the judgment, the bloodshed. Mm. So yes, we are praying for him to relent, to bring an end to this pandemic. We are continuously putting our trust in His goodness. Because if we didn't know He was good, we would have no reason to hope that He would do us a merciful service. Because that's all it would be. If this thing changes, it would be because He's merciful and because He's good and we know that He is. Otherwise, we would have no hope. The way humanity has been going, it's a miracle this planet is not res responding to us f in a far worse ways than what it is. Mm. So we have a good God, and therefore we have hope. But for us, the hope is that His house will be built and that His people will return to truth and be restored to Him. But the planet is definitely doomed. We are hoping for enough time for the gospel to be preached in every village, in every town, in every place on the earth. That's what we are hoping for. So, we're not blindly hoping that the Lord will just return. We're blindly hoping that we can <coughs> hasten His return by restoring the things upon the earth that need to be restored. But He's not going to return 
if the house is not bought. So we have to understand that everything in the book of Revelation that is so horrifying, it is all his will and his doing. Do we remember that? The world seems to be confused <laughs> about that. They've deluded themselves so much with their idea of what a good and loving God is that they have come to the conclusion that the things in the Book of Judgment, that's all Satan's doing for some reason. They tend to respond as if it is. It's God. Yahweh, the Lord of hosts. Okay, we must remember that. And so we're going to move on from the prophecy that says something you wanted to add Mm -mm. to the place um, that we're in. And and we, we have this huge potential through social media, channels of communication. We have this huge potential that good prophetic words could actually reach everyone. Um, but it's so polluted and so cluttered that I think the potential is lost. But something did come my way, and I mean, nine out of ten things that's forwarded to me, and nine out of ten things are just not valid or not important enough to look at, but this thing came my way. And I actually gave this a lot of consideration. <clears throat> I'm going to play it for us so that, because um, I thought the connections here were quite astute. I thought that whoever came up with this would be sharp. Um, and I truly had to consider it. And the reason <coughs> I'm playing it for you and bringing it to you is because I want you to be aware of this specific um, conjecture that uh, pe- these people came to. Now, it's presented by a lady. And before we listen to it, let me just comment that a prophetic word of global significance because if this was a true word, this would have been one of the most important things said in a hundred years, or maybe five hundred years, That's if this was right. So a woman that were doing things in a godly way would have made sure that she says under whose uh, supervision and authority she is prophesying. It's one of the big problems with our world today. Um, we acknowledge ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry in the lives of females. We acknowledge the gifts in the lives of females. But because of the danger of Jezebel and the warning in the book of Revelation, we are overly careful. And so firstly, this could be a significant word, but it's just brought randomly via TikTok or something. Um, I don't know. 
anyway. But but this is how it could happen. Listen carefully. Hey guys, did you know that in Revelation 6 verse 2 it says that there's a man that comes on a white horse, he's wearing a crown, and he's carrying a bow, and he comes to conquer and conquering, conquering and to conquer. Did you know that crown is Stephanos in the Greek, but in the Latin it is corona. It's a synonym to corona. So this writer is wearing a corona. And the bow, guess what the word is in the Greek? It's toxin. I'm not kidding, toxin. It's only used one place in all of scripture, and that's it. And it indicates that this writer who's wearing the corona is coming and shooting poisonous arrows. When you combine those two words with the fact that Mark Shiragma comes from caraso, which means to sharpen to a point, you have a writer coming to deliver the mark of the beast under corona by a toxin with a needle with a sharp point. One plus one equals two, guys. Start looking this stuff up. God bless you and stay safe. Okay, so now, before we just reject it, what if the words does mean these things? And what if there was evidence to point us towards the first seal being opened and that is where we start with this because she's presenting facts very quickly and she's and she's presenting real things so the word that is used in greek for the bow is toxin so we consider that. Now let's just read. Can you read for us the first seal? Okay. Maybe you can read for us. Everybody knows this by heart, don't you? The first seal? No. No? Okay. Okay, this is in Revelation 6, verse 1 and 2. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So it's simple. Something is released according to God's will. Now this is where we start making sense of prophetic words like this. She delivered this in the average church, they would eat it like mm. easily. They would just consume it. Because she's using factual things. And so we're doing this for a reason. This, these kind of things might come our way. And I want to put this on record that if I have something that's got even a 50% sound of validity then and it's this important then you guys should know about it but i'm going to tell you why we can put this in the doubtful file okay so who is releasing this rider yahweh is releasing this war he's not riding out of hell no the lamb is opening the first seal the seals are the record of god's response to humanity's fallen nature. That's what the seals are. Now the seals, after the, around the sixth seal, it's, it's real scary. Mm. Yeah. 
real scary stuff, okay? This is bad. But we've got to understand, this is coming from Yahweh. It's sanctioned by Him, authorized by Him. Okay? Now this rider, we're not going to go into it, but something is released by God with authority to come and conquer. And He's conquering. Now read those tens tenses again. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Yes, unfortunately, <coughs> an aspect of a continuous future tense here. Yeah. Okay. Now, that bow is doxon, was what, what, what was written. But now let's go. How did she jump from the bow to the arrow to the needle in doxon? To the mark. That's now where the problem comes in. But let's look at it, doxon. That's the kind of thing that must grab your attention and go like, wait, we've got a virus, a pandemic, and the first seal has something to do with toxin. In the Greek uh, and Latin language, this was simply referring to, remember, the medical science of that time was only starting to develop. And so they developed a, a word or a... Um, a concept for anything that would ail the body of a human from the inside. And the uh, only context they had for something that caused you to become ill was the context of they would find poisonous things that they could put on their arrows to shoot another person. You had to get it into the person's body and then they died. Okay, so toxin became a catchphrase for all things that would harm you, whether it was poison or bacteria or virus or any of those things, metals, whatever it was. So everything that we've now come to understand will, can harm you from the inside was toxin, toxic. <laughs> okay, so it's toxic. Okay, so when she presents it, it sounds wow. The same word toxin is used for the bow. Okay, it's just because it was a connection back then. It was a very tight connection because they hadn't developed the understanding of all the concepts yet. Okay, so the bow was just equated with, with that concept. Okay, the bow was going to, the bow itself did not harm you, that, but it, which it delivered harmed you, and that's why. Okay. Now, <coughs> the big concern was the connection between the Latin word corona and the word Stephanos. And Stephanos and corona are synony synonyms currently existing as synonyms of each other. Okay. Now, when we look at something like this, and this first rider, the first seal, has 
any connection with corona and toxin, obviously we're going to sit up and pay attention. We're not just going to ignore it. Okay. Um, because we've got we've to consider, what do we do with a piece of information like this if it was valid? Do you guys see? Do you want to know about this kind of thing? Okay. <coughs> Um, so, let me just find here, where does the word coronavirus come from? Okay, so, No, obviously this is not something I'm going to walk around with in my head, so I do the research. And it turns out that the word Corona came to the, into being around mid-16th century. Way too late mm. to be connected to the biblical script. Okay. But it's still a synonym of Stephanos. Okay. <laughs> now, Corona simply means crown or wreath, the same as Stephanos, which means wreath. Just a, a symbol on the head of victory or achievement mm -hmm. in the Roman Empire. So, people would be given wreaths <coughs> or a symbol on their head for achievement in battle, in sports, in politics, to acknowledge. So if you did well, somebody um, bound a few twigs of an ivy together and put it on your head. Great. Give you some money. Anyway, so... Um, uh, but, but before I got to this piece of information, in considering this word, there's a very simple connection to make. If God wanted to let us know there's a connection between the first seal and the coronavirus, then instead of using the specific word Stephanos, why not use the word corona, which means crown? And that's where they got the name for the virus from. So this was a pre-existing word and concept. Okay, now, the word used in the text is Stephanos. So we're not going to make a jump to, as, to seek a synonym connection and then come to a prophetic word. It's not the way it's done. It's not the way it's done and it's this word only came, only came to the fore in the late 16th or mid 16th century. So it actually cannot be connected to biblical text. Okay? Now, this is a Latin word, corona, and the Greek is Stephanos. Okay. So, what are we saying? We cannot <coughs> be deceived easily because this is going to happen more and more. Clever people are going to make clever connections and bring very clever prophetic words 
But we had to consider this because what if it had the connection with the mm. first seal? It would be important for us mm. to know. Now this is what we at the moment believe how these things work. Okay. We believe that the seals are probably going to have the same dynamic to it as prophetic cyclic unfolding. Because if it didn't, and the release of these first four seals only happened when the seals were open, then it means there should have been no toxin before the seal was open. With other words, no disease. Yeah. And then men should not be killing each other. Exactly. And then there should have been no famine. So we believe that these things come into existence from the moment <coughs> that Adam yeah. leaves the garden when man fall into sin. Sure. It could be that it is a prophetic unfolding and that it starts to unfold in bigger cycles until there is the actual fulfilling and then there could be an actual opening of the seal and release of this rider to the earth. But I believe this rider has been released upon the earth already. Yeah. Okay. It just could not make any logical sense if it was a, an event towards the end time and all of a sudden this is released upon the earth. There could be an ultimate release. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, that could be horrible. Does the corona pandemic line up with what it could look like if there was an ultimate release? certainly does. That's why this sounds so feasible when somebody brings something like this, because we can look at it and go, it certainly looks like it. Okay? But we could be in the midst of another prophetic unfolding of this. If that is true, and this is not the ultimate event, then it means it could get worse in the future. We need to be aware of these things. Because we're living in the prophetic unfolding of these seals, now, the thing with the prophetic unfolding, it starts small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger towards the end. Okay. Obviously, I'm not trying to make you feel better. <laughs> just trying to make you understand that we can't just put our heads in the sand, pretend it's not there. It's there. And we are definitely closer to the end times than last year. So... Okay. Now, please read for us through the first four seals. So we're doing this for the record to update everybody, get everybody on the same. Because I consider these things to be extremely uh, important. Because it's part of our mindset. It's part of why, why we do what we do, how we do things, and what we're preparing for. Because let's face it, what we are currently living in is a cataclysmic event. Mm -hmm. The corona pandemic, we all know this, it's almost silly to say it nowadays, but it's one of the biggest things that's ever happened on the earth. Mm. And so, it would be wise for us not to overreact and now say, oh, it's the end of the world, but it's certainly 
a big step in the, that direction. Mm. Okay. Okay, so we'll read verse 1 and 2 <coughs> again. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Just pause. So for a long time I wondered what conquering and to conquer would look like. Because we had no context. We only had world wars. But in both cases, uh, where there was world wars, the aggressors were stopped. We had other events through history when an army marched upon the earth to conquer, but they were stopped. Um, and I thought, what would a total conquering look like? And I think this is, for the first time in, in world history, we have a picture of what conquering would look like. Because this virus conquered the planet. It conquered humanity on every level. Mm. It literally pierced every def layer of defense. Mm. We've got to acknowledge that. I don't want to make us worry. I don't want to wake us up again so we don't fall asleep. So it pierced political, military, economical defenses what it did and it entered every house and every home so I think if we've ever had a picture because before this I, I couldn't come up with a picture of total conquering we have a picture of conquering and we should harness it harness it to understand that if we thought we could just resist the conquering in some way it came into our lives. So conquering in this sense would be a global conquering, a complete conquering. So the only place that's safe is your inside. Mm. Where your faith is, where the Holy Spirit lives, that's the only thing that you can keep safe mm. in an event of conquering like this. <coughs> so we're going to focus our energy on that which is the only treasure we can protect. Mm -hmm. We'll still build our lives and fortify our cities and our own lives, but the only treasure we can, we know now we can protect is the one <coughs> that you carry on the inside, okay? So this is why I'm doing this, so that we can be encouraged there is no conquering that can touch that unless you have not built the walls and hung the doors. Okay. Read the second one. When he opened the second seal, I heard the, seven, the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Now this is another reason why I think this was a smaller 
prophetic unfolding of this because we did see simultaneously with the virus, the pandemic, we saw this dynamic mm -hmm. flare up upon the earth. We saw that happening. We saw unbelievable events of people, normal people on the streets attacking each other, physically harming each other, mm -hmm. and authorities being unable to stop it. So we saw that. Okay, so the second seal we saw manifestations of it. Okay, now it goes to logic that these, it makes a lot more sense to me that these, the one seal could follow on the other. Because if there was a conquering pandemic like we had, the next step could easily flow out of it. Okay, we saw it and we wouldn't have made direct connections to this. I think now we know what to watch out for We're in the unfolding of these opening of the seals. Third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature <coughs> say, Come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil or the wine okay so this is what we saw as well we saw a mini unfolding of this third seal together with the unfolding of the other two seals and it goes to logic that an economic situation would arise if the first two seals unfolded. And we did see it on a smaller scale. Right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And except that the wine was touched in this case, and that's a reassuring sign. Okay. If they kept wine sales open, that would have been a very worrying <laughs> sign. Okay. Just says, do not harm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <coughs> when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. So obviously this has been a reality since the days of Cain and Abel. <clears throat> and we know that this has, throughout the history of humanity, it has been in evoked. It has been, it has been in, in action. It's been working like this. Okay. We did see an increase of this recently as well. Okay. So it could be just another unfolding of prophetic cycle, but I don't see this as the actual final opening of the seals. Okay. But we got a taste of what it would look like. It came, it followed on, it, on one another very quickly. It was not a very big time lapse mm -hmm. between the four seals manifesting and I think in the end time event we can expect it to 
uh, one to follow the other in its severest form very quickly. To give you some idea of what that event would look like. Okay. Right. Now, we would rather be informed than do what the rest of Christianity do and just wait for the rapture. <laughs> we don't want to do that, okay? So, um, <coughs> but now we know all of this is a reality and it is, has been unfolding over time. Now we get to the fifth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. I'm not going to speculate on that. Okay. But we know this is not one of the terrible things. Okay, now. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So we know that all these things unfold before the great day of his wrath is, is going to dawn. Now, to understand this, we now have to go from here to the trumpets and the woes. And they all fit together, and you'll see that they overlay with each other. And we know that if we look at the trumpets, by this stage, um, terrible force of both demons and physical enemies are released upon the earth. So, in response to that <coughs> specific word, okay. We're taking it into account that there was a, there's words being released that the first seal was opened. If it was so, and there was a, not an opening before and now it's been opened, then <coughs> we would know that it could only escalate from here. It could only get worse and worse and worse. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk about the response. The response that this lady suggested was, don't take the vaccine. It's the end of days, guys, but we're going to focus on not taking the vaccine. That's what we're going to do with all that information. Okay. To give you some idea of how stupid people are. Okay, she jumped from toxin, a bow and arrow, to a needle, to the mark of the beast, via an injection. So obviously it's, a, it's not an authentic word from God. 
Okay. <clears throat> now, these things are still fairly simple to decipher. We can still figure out what's going on. I've got a feeling that towards the end days, the deceiving words are going to become more difficult to discern. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we can't just ignore all of it. That would be easier just to go like, well, we're not going to listen to anything. Mm. The thing is, we are still looking for any relevant prophetic words that is going to come from God. But we've got to sift through all the nonsense. If, if stupid people would just stay quiet, it would make our jobs easier. <laughs> but they're becoming louder. Okay, so the thing is, what I'm saying is, you have to exercise your mind, your ears, that's why we're doing this thing with the brain and understanding. And we have to be able to refer back to the Word. Because the Bible says that even the elect might be deceived in the end times. Mm -hmm. And it starts with deception, small pieces of deception like this. Okay? So I want to encourage all of you, don't fall asleep. I'm not talking about this morning, I'm talking about in general. Um, let's exercise ourselves, okay, because remember I always say, what if, what if I'm killed or Nadia is also no longer here? Then you guys are going to have to make sure that you're not deceived, all by yourselves and together, okay, do you understand? So you have to exercise yourselves, don't stop. Uh, that thing in a person's mind that wants to avoid it. Can't just avoid it. And we can't jump to conclusions. We have to follow a sensible process to figure things out. Sensible. Okay. I took this seriously and went, okay, should I should I look into the possibility that the final opening of this first seal happened? Because if it did, then we would have to rethink our future plans. You know, that means we're not going to do with resources what we thought we were going to do. We're not going to, you know, then we know. Your sense of destiny changes completely. Exactly. Completely then. So I go for self-defense classes, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, so we see, that's why we, 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 we do consider these things. Because if this was real and it made sense, we want to pick up on a real word like that mm -hmm. that comes through. You know? Now look at the story of King David, he was old and on his deathbed, one of the big, greatest prophets that ever lived. He, one of his sons makes himself king and they have to go tell him, look, you don't know about this, but your son made yourself, himself king. Mm. So, even the great prophets miss things that's happening right around them. Okay? So Nathan had to go and... Wonderful Nathan had to go and, and do something about it again. And his wife. Yes. Bizarre to the faithful woman. <laughs> so you see that even King David, I mean, he's lying on his bed. You would think that he would pick up on these things happening yeah. around him. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to pick up on what I can and to see what I can. 
but I've never given you a guarantee that I'm the prophet of prophets that's going to catch every single thing that comes our way, okay? Also, isn't it with these uh, kind of this magnitude of type of prophetic words God releases to certain prophets mm. specifically? It's not like generally Please. those who want to yeah, he would release know. It. I don't know why he would choose someone else, but me might, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting it out there. Why does God make it easier for his all the leaders to understand which leaders oh, the, we, we, we don't know if he's making it hard we, my problem might be on our side I know mm -hmm. I'm doff most of the time so I mean it's hard for all pastors to discern it is how much we should have how much more we should have developed by now I mm -hmm. don't even know how much more truth should have been known by now is easier to discern. We spent, we're wasting so much time just catching up because of all the wrong things we've been taught. It takes years just to get your mind right again. Mm -hmm. And God needs, God is trying to talk to us through this haze of disinformation, mm -hmm. lies, misunderstanding, mm -hmm. uh, pride, all that stuff that stands in our way. So I don't know if he's actually made it as easy as possible for us. Chances are he has. Yeah. But it's in the Word and we were supposed to be studying this correctly for a long time. Anyways, we know a big problem is the cloud of deception that's resting upon the earth. Even when Daniel prayed, the angel had to fight his way through to get to him with an answer. So there's this complicated set of spiritual and physical circumstances that we're dealing with that we hardly understand. So when I pray for an answer, sometimes it comes quickly from the Holy Spirit on the eternal and sometimes it has to come from via a delivery. And um, I don't know why it, always, why it works like that, but it works like that. So, okay. Can I ask, yeah. I, uh, uh, we say we are not really sure whether this is the final opening or of the first seal uh, that is going to escalate and really um, change what we thought we are working towards or uh, we are not yet sure um, whether that could be the actual beginning of the end. So thank you for asking that question. To just put it plainly, that's what I'm saying. This prophetic word was nonsense, but it served to point out a few important factors. And if this is the first serious unfolding that's going to lead to ten more serious unfoldings, then it's actually a non-issue whether it was the final opening or not. Our response is basically going to have to be one response only. We're only left with one. We have to prepare. Which was what we were doing. Yeah, we were doing it, but look, we need to seriously <coughs> understand that if there's three more of this coming that's worse than this one, 
Or if this one is just not going to go away because it was the release of the first rider. If this was the release of the first rider, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to get worse. And if the second seal has been in its final severity released, then the violence is going to increase. And it means that the famine is going to increase. So wise, a wise response would be, we don't know if it's the final open, uh, release or the, just another big cyclic uh, step towards it. But it's not gonna, it doesn't go back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Calm down. Regress again. Yeah. So this is the world we're gonna live in. And um, I've got a suspicion there's going to be successive unfoldings that's coming. And so we can do economically what we can. We know the Lord's going to protect us and, and, and bless us. But what we do on the inside, that's the important. That's where I want to lay emphasis. So for those that are young, our futures are still bright. We never had uh, any promises of another second except the one we're living in right now. Mm. Let's get that straight, that we're living in hope. All of us are always living in hope. Okay, and it's that basic. Next week we're going to look a bit more at hope. We are busy looking into hope, the faculty of hope, the working of hope, actually physiologically in our brains. But we live on hope because what we have right now—that's what you have. There's never any guarantees given that tomorrow is going to dawn for any of us. Okay, and uh, believers make peace with that reality. Um, it's the world out there that's co- constantly trying to save themselves. So we have no right to demand anything from the future. If we live according to the Word of God, if we live in His ways and we honor Him, we live justly and righteously in truth and we seek His will. Then He should prosper us and give us a long life and He should perform His purposes in us. But when we veer off and do our own thing, we're putting ourselves in danger, especially in the times to come. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. That brings me to another point I wanted to make today. Just as that virus came and put us in danger, we haven't, the coronavirus is not as dangerous as the spiritual viruses that we can release. So, COVID gets the body sick and causes us emotions and all the harm and so on. But the spiritual viruses can cost us dearly. Okay, so let's learn the lesson, because any of us can make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So today, that's why we're not preaching or teaching today, we're just talking about this, because we, we're living in scary times, and we're not going to draw back, we're not going to avoid the fact that it is scary. We're going to tighten our belts, 
and we're going to live life intentionally and wide awake. We're going to educate ourselves as far as which period, which things are not healthy for me spiritually. So there's times when I'm just acting foolishly or selfishly. Those things we want to learn about, identify them, not do it again. Not be so easily self-deceived or deceived. And also, not easily come into condemnation. Um, those, those are the things we're going to work on. Okay? Because we are going to survive. For as long, if this is the end of times, we've got to survive as long as possible to preach the gospel. Which means we're gonna be, we have to be strong and clear-minded. Might survive physically and get confused, and then we are worthless. Okay, because these fools are going to make so much noise. He's pointing to his phone, not the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's start to focus on that kind of attitude, please. I know we have, but we the road is long. The road is long. And we know that um, the Bible warns us against just slumbering off. And we know that's what the Lord spoke to us about the disciples. They just kept falling asleep. Let's not do that, okay? And let's not get self-diluted. We'll be thinking we're doing well when we're not. Okay? So these are just the prophetic warnings that I wanted to bring, and we wanted to bring. Um, so... What I'm saying is that the four, first four seals, we can expect it to unfold with an increased momentum and intensity. And if the COVID pandemic is a form of a release of God's will regarding the seal, then we have to brace ourselves because then we can't pray as if it was released by Satan. I'm not saying it is, but if, then we have to respond correctly. Okay. So, another reason why I don't think that we're looking at the COVID virus as a release of this is because um, I want to get to that. I think it was first coined and named in the 60s or something. So the concept of uh, the group of viruses that's called coronavirus been around for long. I think it was accepted as a, a scientific um, Name for a group of viruses of more than 40 different species or variants. I think it was accepted in 1971 or something already. So that's another reason why it's not new. It's been around. So, um, and it has been active on the earth. Okay. Right, we have to unfortunately cover these things. So is that alright?
No. We're not going to go into how the mind works, but did everybody hear me when I said I believe that the way we are renewed or reborn is that the dark nature that was part of your physiological birthright, what you were born as, that's removed, and that life itself, life itself, replaces that, comes and lives in that part of the body. So your basic operating program becomes the Holy Spirit. And now what we need to learn is to respond to the impulses that He's sending from that command center. So He's not just somewhere and everywhere. Because we know that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we just had this vague idea that, well, He's somewhere inside. And how does He speak to you? Well, there's soft voice on the inside. So we now know why we can have vision and spiritual hearing that is not, that's not physical. Because what the eye, the lenses, um, receive for as light impulses goes into the brain and there it is processed. Now, if the Holy Spirit is living in your brain and functioning as the control center for your faculties, then it explains why we can see spiritually and hear spiritually and even smell spiritually. Isn't that wonderful yeah. news? Makes a lot more sense. Okay, so now all we need to do is uh, learn how to work with that work with that, but we're not going to focus on that. So I believe that a very big step, now you'd think that we've journeyed on this long road of faith and we've done so much already, you'd think that we wouldn't need to re-look at this step. <laughs> we're just going to look at and remind ourselves on who is it. So we've got the name Holy Spirit, we've got the name Yahweh. Who is it? What does the Bible say about the one that's living on the inside? We're just going to look at that. And I want to encourage us, meditate on that as much as you can. Where the Bible says that Yahweh is good, don't think, oh, I know that it's elementary. <laughs> you, you, want, you, want to, you want to witness this to every part of your brain all the time. So I'm proposing that we brainwash ourselves. <laughs> so we are going to ask everyone to start an intense process of brainwashing. And it's biblical. Because the Bible keeps speaking about being washed by the Word. And renewing the mind. Okay, so we're going to actively work with the understanding we have on how the brain functions and we know that the brain stores a little bit of information and that becomes what you respond to later on. Okay, So if we go into a process of trying to repeat to ourselves what the Bible says about Yahweh's character every day for the next year, we are going to start to inundate our files with the right bit of information that we need. Because then when you're under real pressure, that's what your subconscious is going to access. 
Now we know this, but we're going to reinforce what we already know. Okay. So when you build a wall against around the city to keep it safe, do you use one layer of bricks or two? In <laughs> what was the what was the impenetrable city? What was the historic city? Um, it's now a Muslim city. Istanbul. Eh? Istanbul. Yeah. What was it? Constantinople. Yeah. Constantinople. Constantinople had walls that could not be breached. Mm. Yeah. They found walls. They had multiple layers of walls. Multiple layers of walls. So what's our plan? We're not going to build one layer, two layers. We're going to build Constantinople. Okay. You can start our reading for us. Thank you. Now rest back and just enjoy the reading. Here yeah, we said Psalm 145. Okay. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save him. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 31. The Lord is speaking. He says, You are my flock. The flock of my pasture. You are men and I am your God, says the Lord God. (coughs) 
Psalm 95. Verse 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 100. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 30. Verse 5. <clears throat> for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Isaiah 40 Verse 11 He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Isaiah 33 verse 2 O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. <clears throat> lamentations. Oh, excellent lamentations. We'll read from verse 22. Chapter 3. The chapter 3. Through the Lord's, so it would have said Yahweh, through Yahweh's mercies we are not consumed. Through Yahweh's mercies we are not consumed. Because His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. Can we take note? So the soul is the breath there. Part of your person that is your combination between ID and ego. And uh, 
those two, or that part of your brain, calls out, the Lord is my portion. Now that portion refers to territory, or allotment, and it's actually the idea here uh, was a reference to the same uh, reality as faith. So it is my entire knowledge, what I know and what I am, refers to me being in Him in eternity. That's basically what this is trying to convey. If you look at the Hebrew, it was actually Yahweh is everything that I am in and surrounds me. So territory, like a piece of land, like Canaan. Or the promised land, inheritance, inheritance as well. So all those ideas tend to merge together throughout the Bible as one concept. And that's why faith becomes a very clear connection just with eternity, resurrection. So what is written here is exactly the same as what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. So when he refers to soul here, he's referring to that breath of life, that substance that is us that's going to go to Him. And He's basically saying here, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. That's that speaking from the inside. His witness, His testimony. And we know that um, much of this was written still in wisdom. Um, Therefore I hope in Him. And next week we'll look at this again. We're going to look at that response of hope. Okay. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent. Because God has laid it on him. Okay. You can read Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Verse 8. And we'll read verse 9 as well. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. When we build walls of reference of God's goodness, let us make sure we have the, this part of the wall built. <coughs> that The good one that's living in us, the one that's in us almighty and everlasting is the one that said let us create them in our image 
the first expression of God's will in the Bible was that. It's got so much depth of His good intentions towards us. His intent on how He wanted to relate to us. What the relationship was to be. Where He's coming from. So He's his departure point when it comes to how he wants to relate to us, what he wants for us, what his intentions are. This is such good news. His first response to us is, let's create him in our image. The one that's almighty and good wants to extend all his goodness to us wants to extend all his righteousness to us you know let's be honest our nature is we want to be more and we'll be nice to others we just want them to be slightly less you know in some way we want to build ourselves up to be better or more or more important or more loved or more heard and this communicates to us something about Him that's phenomenal because I want them to be like us next Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and 8 and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The origins of who we are is personal, hands-on. God was not a foe. He breathes his own breath into Adam. And he plants the garden. He doesn't send angels to plant the garden. He plants the garden. He takes Adam and puts him there. So we started off as close as you can possibly get. And this was God's will, his desire is good towards us and it's in his intentions are good towards us he expresses this so beautifully in the way that he responds to Adam, he doesn't just say there's a whole world for you, go and enjoy he plants a specific garden for him all provision, all goodness a place that he prepared for Adam and Eve and um, and I'm just going to live according to that. That's his heart for me. That's his intention. That's what I'm going to respond to. Okay. Exodus chapter 33. 
uh, from verse 18 to the end. <clears throat> and he, Moses, said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, Yahweh, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Numbers 14, verse 18 and 19. <clears throat> the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but He by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people, from Egypt, even until now. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So, sorry, verse 13 as well. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. I was meant to read Psalm 23 as well. I'm going to read that one first. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> and I'm going to read John chapter 10 from verse 1 to verse 18. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, and they, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And now we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. From this 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Messiah. Let's pray together. Father God, Yahweh, we pray in the name of Yahushua. This morning we ask you for each one of us that are walking together as one fellowship, one body. Teach us to walk uprightly in your sight. As you have by your own mercy cause us to walk uprightly in your sight and even though you have caused us to walk uprightly in your sight you have shown us great mercy Mm. we pray that you will show your mercy to us. We now desire to know your mercy more than before. We now desire understanding regarding your great mercy. That which the prophets knew, that which the prophets proclaimed, even when nations raged and even when your people went astray, that which your prophets proclaimed was your mercy. In our time in 2021, we wonder, and we are full of wonder, how great is such a thing. This thing that the prophets understood and proclaimed, this thing that Moses spoke in your sight, this thing that has been known and yet not known. We know that your mercy fills the face of the earth, but you have proclaimed yourself to be merciful. And now we have known your mercy. And we have known all the mornings of our life that you are merciful but we entreat you Yahweh by your spirit Ruach show us your mercy let us know your mercy and we desire earnestly to understand 
your mercy. We pray. In the name of the one that you gave to, gave to be the Lamb and the holy sacrifice for us. And in this you showed us your great love. Show us your mercy. And indeed we desire earnestly to understand your mercy. O oh, merciful and gracious Yahweh. Amen.